hope you guys are ready to hear uh, from a, a powerful word from our pastor, uh, Victor Rao, this morning. Are you ready? Okay, I got to tell you, you guys are way too quiet. Are you ready? I mean, y'all were, y'all were like cruising through worship, all right, so I need you to jump in. Are y'all going to jump in? All right, just follow Sam's lead. You'll be all right, all right? Oh, it is great to see you on this beautiful April morning. Right? <laughs> it is. I, uh, I, I love it. Don't, don't complain, even though we've got a lot at my house. Don't complain about rain in July. Amen? Because we're going to need it later, I am sure. Uh, it is great to see you guys. I hope y'all had fun on the 4th, did you? Yeah. Eat a lot, blow some stuff up. Yeah, I hope. Uh, we did. We had a good. We had a good time. So, um, we are continuing as we have done quite a bit this summer, uh, talking about some of the big ones. Everybody say the big ones. All right. And today we're going to talk about purpose. Uh, and what we've been doing is we've been taking some of the uh, uh, some of the stories that maybe you grew up with. Uh, maybe that we're in a Bible, kids' Bible story book, or you talked about in Sunday school. Some of the more common uh, kind of messages, and we are, we're like digging into those uh, because we've learned we don't know those stories like we used to. Come on, right? Uh, and, uh, and so we're just kind of laying a foundation of some of those. So are y'all ready? All right. Well, I am. Today we're going to talk about, as we talk about purpose, we're going we're gonna to dig a little bit into the life of Esther. Everybody say Esther. An amazing book in the Bible. I, am, uh, I encourage you to go read. Before we jump in, though, um, I, I've shared this story, but it's been years and years ago, um, and some things have changed even since I shared the story. But, but it's a story about, true story, about three young guys that lived in California. And uh, they, they decided, you know what? We feel like we're supposed to go to Africa. We don't know why, but we're supposed to go to Africa. And uh, their giftings was with photography and videos. So they got online and they ordered and bought through eBay a bunch of used cameras and equipment because they weren't sure how things would be treated and all of that. So he, they bought this equipment. They went to northern Uganda. And, and they didn't know why they were there. They just knew we're supposed to go there and just film whatever we see. Take pictures of whatever we see. And, and as they were doing that, one evening they, they recognized as they were driving down this road that there were hundreds of kids ages like 5 to 15 that were walking on the road all going in the same direction. And then it hit them funny because there, there were no adults 
with the kids. They were all just going somewhere. So they followed them out of curiosity. And they followed them to a shelter in another little community. And when they got there, they realized there were hundreds and hundreds of kids piling into these shelters. And they started questioning and found out that these kids were actually called night commuters. And, and every night, they would leave their village, and they would walk anywhere from three to ten miles, some of them, every night to go sleep in these shelters because it was not safe for them in their village. Because there was a group that for almost 20 years, a group called the LRA had been going into these villages at night and they would sneak into the homes, they would put a gun to the head of the young boys in the, the, in the houses, they would put a gun to their head and a gun in their head, hand, and they would force these young boys at gunpoint to kill their parents and their siblings. And then they would kidnap the boys and raise them to be killing machines as part of this military. So these kids, knowing it wasn't safe, would travel every single night. It rocked these three young guys' worlds as they heard the stories. As they heard the story and they started digging into it and found out that over the last almost 20 years that this had been going on, that, that in this civil world war that was happening in Uganda, that 1.6 million people had been displaced from their homes. As they dug into it, they realized that over 30,000 young boys had been forced to kill their families and, and become kid soldiers. And it broke their hearts. And they began to film some of the stories of these young boys. And, and as they filmed the stories and heard the stories, they began to put together an amateur film that was called The Invisible Children. When they got back home to, uh, to California, they put this little amateur film together, and uh, I, I believe, oh, I guess that's the only picture I've got. Go back to the picture. It's not backing up. Sorry, you may have to help me. Uh, as they got back to California, they, um, they put this film together, and they began to send it to churches and to colleges and to schools, and they began to get the word out about these invisible children. 
And the church, the body of Christ around the world began to rise up. Began to go, somebody needs to do something, it might as well be us. And the church began to send people supplies, literally Christian people that would go and stand in the place for these kids. And you realize that in 18 months, the body of Christ around the world began to change the environment in northern Uganda. And here's what's amazing. There were thousands of kids that their lives were saved. A 20-year-long civil war was ended. And it started with just three young guys going, somebody needs to do something. And the body of Christ around the world rallying together and changed a nation. Now, it's still not perfect there. But God used these guys to do something incredible. Hmm. You know, last night, I, I thought it was interesting. I had written all of this a while back. But last night, I, I went, Susan and I went to the movie and saw the movie, uh, The Sound of Freedom. Not sure if you've seen it. I encourage you to go see it. It's a little rough, but really good. Uh, it'll it'll kind of wake up some areas, but it really is a very similar story of, of uh, a detective that just like, I, somebody's got to do something. And uh, he took on uh, child slavery, particularly in Colombia, but that was actually affecting the United States. Uh, and, and it's an interesting story. It really is. But it's another story that that you hear about and you read and you go, well, that's there. It's interesting, though, you'll find out if you go watch the film, True Story, that, uh, that what was happening in Colombia was fueled by what happens in the United States. That America is the number one purchaser of children being sold into slavery. The number one in the world. Yeah. I don't know about all the statistics, but they say that there are more slaves today in America than ever in American history. And most of them are kids. And God used this guy that just said, somebody needs to do something. Why not me? Why not me? And that is purpose. So we're going to look at a story, some of you know, some of you may not. In the Old Testament, there's an entire book about this lady named Esther. Uh, and, and one of the most famous quotes that comes from the book of Esther, if you got your notes, you can write it down. It's Mordecai, her uncle, actually said, you were born for such a time as 
That's right. Everybody say it with me together. Ready, go. You were born for such a time as this. <laughs> Have you ever thought about, I really did, the first time I was ever uh, in the garbage dump um, in Guatemala City, where there were thousands of kids fighting over the garbage that comes out of the trucks. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. God, why was I born in Mena, Arkansas, and not in Guatemala in the dumps? I'm no better than these kids. Why? Why? Because God put me where he put me with a purpose. God put you right here, right now, with purpose. Not just to fill a seat, y'all. Come on. Come on. Not just to fill a seat. You have godly purpose on your life. You were born for what? Such a time as this. Yeah. <laughs> Esther was this young, started out, this young girl who was kidnapped, um, was taken to live in the house of an evil Persian king, um, and she was groomed um, for her beauty. She was uh, um, really raised up as a trophy uh, in so many in so many ways and she was groomed to become the wife of this ungodly king so so she was a Jewish girl taken as a slave raised up to be a uh, a slave literally a sex slave for the king she was going to become the queen, but that's really how her beginnings started. But she would, as you see the story unfold, you, you kind of see that there was a guy who had actually uh, saved the life of this ungodly king, uh, and his name was Haman. Everybody say Haman. And Haman... What he became the right hand man for this ungodly king. Um, the problem was he hated Jews, hated the Jews. And Haman wanted to wipe the Jews off the planet, right? Wanted to kill them all. And so he was constantly in the ear of this ungodly king, wanting to get rid of all of the, uh, all of the Jews. Um, and in the story, as it goes, uh, Esther had to move from being this innocent bystander, from this innocent, compliant young lady, she had to move from that to a place where she understood, this is my time, this is my purpose, and I'm willing to die for it. Are y'all are y'all with me? 
So she had to move from one place to the other. Now, Esther became queen, um, and depend on what you read, what we know about her, she was somewhere when she became queen, somewhere between 30 and 40 years old. Um, so she had been groomed as a young girl. She had waited all of this time. Now she is queen. Um, and it says that she was very, you read chapter 2, she was very compliant, very easygoing. She got along with everybody. She stood out among all the rest. She was beautiful. She was a submissive queen. Um, and, and, and now she's going to be faced with some big decisions. Now, Esther learns from her uncle Mordecai that, that there is this plot to kill the Jews. And that Haman is working on the back story to get the king to make some laws to kill all of the Jews. Um, and, and so Esther hears this and is like, these are my people. What, what am I, I going to do? But Esther knew she could not go see the king. She had favor with the king. But she knew she could not go see the king because in that culture, she had to be invited, even though she was his wife, she had to be invited into the court to actually talk to her husband. And, and so she knew that if I go in without the invitation, I'm going to die. Matter of fact, she knew that to be true because if you read the story, uh, the king's other wife, before Esther, he said, hey, I want you to come into the court. She said, nah, I don't feel like it, and he killed her. So, not only is she like, okay, I can't go talk to him. They're going to kill all of our people. My family's going to die. You know, what, what am I going to do? I can't go in. Let's, let's read a little bit. Are y'all still with me? All right. Let's read a little bit. He said, then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, because they're actually having to talk uh, through a, a carrier of, uh, that would go back and forth and say, he said this, she said this. So that's what that's about. All right. So Mordecai is the uncle that told her what was happening behind the scenes. All of the king's officials and the people of the royal province know that if any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law. Everybody say one law. And that is that they be put to death. Unless the king extends the golden scepter to them and spares their life. But look what Esther says. But it's been 30 days since I was called to be with the king. Now think about this. She is the king's wife. And it's been 30 days 
that they lived in the same house and he has not asked for her to come. It's been 30 days since they have shared a bed together. Okay? That's literally what it's talking about. It's been 30 days since they've been together. Now, if you're her, you got to be thinking, not only does the law say if I go talk to him without him inviting me, I'm going to die. But there had to be some insecurity going on, like maybe he's found somebody else. Come on. Why hasn't he come to see me in 30 days? He must be being entertained by the rest of the harem. Right? He, maybe he don't need me anymore. Maybe because he is not interested in me anymore, maybe if I go in, that will be his excuse to get rid of me. Are y'all hearing me? Maybe all of those thoughts are going through, I believe, going through Esther's mind. Like, what, what am I gonna, what am I gonna do? All right? When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. <laughs> do not think that because you are in the king's house, that you alone and all of, that you alone of all the Jews will escape. He's literally saying, Haman is going to have all the Jews killed. Just because you're close to the king doesn't mean you're going to be spared. That's literally what Mordecai is telling her. And look at this. If you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. I love that it says this. Because here's the deal, y'all. So many times, I, I, I was taught growing up that if I don't fulfill my purpose in life, somebody might not go to heaven that was supposed to go to heaven. Anybody ever heard that? Come on. Come on. That's not true. That's not true. It's not. What will happen is God's deliverance will come, but I won't get to be a part of it. Are y'all hearing me? I'm the one that's going to miss out. And that's literally what, what Mordecai is saying. He's like, God's going to deliver the Jews because the Jews are God's people. Can I get an amen? amen? Right? God's going to deliver them. You have an opportunity to be a part of it. If you don't, God's going to do it with somebody else. Right? Isn't that what it says? Oh, come on. Right? It says it's going to come from somewhere else. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, just maybe, everybody say just maybe, just maybe, you have come to this royal position, everybody say it with me, for such a time as this. Huh. Just maybe, 
God has put you right where you are for such a time as this. Hmm. God will save the Jews. But if you don't do something, (laughs) you're going to miss your purpose. I I want you to write this down. Um, Purpose and calling are normally not what you find. I I, I lived under the weight for a long time that, that you as a child of God, you have to discover what your calling is. That you have to discover what what your purpose in life is. What is your purpose? Why are you here? Can I just tell you, if you walk with God, your purpose, your calling, you don't have to discover it. It's going to hit you in the face. Come on. It's going to hit you in the face. And you can't miss it if you're walking with him. Are are y'all out there? Right? You can't be, it's not something that you have to go out and find, but can I just tell you, nine times out of ten, your purpose is going to find you. Your purpose is going to find you. You see it over and over and over through the scripture. So many stories. Three young guys, I don't know why we're going to, to, to northern Africa. Wow, now I know. Right? Right? A detective. Now I know. Now I know. I I, I mean, there's story after story after story of heroes, and the only reason they're heroes is they were living a normal life, and something hit them in the face, and they're like, that's why I'm here. Are are y'all with me? That's why I'm here. That is my purpose. That is my purpose. They see something or something happens to them and it becomes obvious. Somebody needs to do something. Those people are in need. Those people are being persecuted. Those laws are wrong. Somebody needs to. There's babies who cannot speak. For themselves, somebody needs to do something. There's a group of people that are being ostracized. God loves them. Somebody needs to show them God loves them. And purpose is discovered like I didn't discover it like I was looking for it. I just woke up and opened my eyes and bam, there it was. Over and over and over. Isn't that what happened to Moses? Right? I, I, mean, I mean, he was raised and groomed in the king's house, in Pharaoh's house. And, and one day, a Jew was being beaten, and he said, somebody needs to save the Jews. And his purpose hit him in the face. I mean, think about it. You know, David. Right? The story of David. David was just taking food to his brothers, (laughs) going to feed his brothers that were on the front line. And all of a sudden, Goliath stepped out and he goes, isn't, I love this phrase, 
He's talking to his brothers. He said, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason? Is that big old boy up there not big enough reason to go fight? What are you doing sitting around? You know? And David stepped into his calling because his calling was mocking him in his face. Mocking his God. Are y'all hearing me, right? And he was like, there it is. And it was just another day, a normal day for David that really began to set him on track for his calling in life. It was just another day that changed every other day. James in the Bible, he saw the orphans and the widows and said, somebody needs to do something. Let's take care of them, you know? Here is Esther. Somebody needs to save my family. Somebody needs to save the Jewish nation. And Mordecai just was the one that said, um, Esther, it could be you. Just maybe you're the one that's been set for such a time as this. That somebody could be you. Write, write this down. Purpose is the intersection of where your gifts, a cause, and opportunity come together. I really believe that. That, that, that really purpose is where your giftings, the way God wired you. David, he had been operating in his purpose and didn't know it because it was a bear come out, he killed it. A lion came out, he killed it, right? Right? He was already doing, he didn't know that, that the everyday life of taking care of daddy's sheep was preparing him for greater purposes. It was the ordinary Every day, being faithful in the ordinary, the every day that opened the door. Had he not killed that lion and that bear, he might not have had faith to go, I can take that guy out too. God help me there. God can help me here. Are y'all hearing me? It's like giftings and a cause. Is there not a cause? Is there not something? And then opportunity. The opportunity comes together. Now, you, you say, how does that fit with Esther? Well, Esther had a gift. She was beautiful. That's what the scripture says. She was beautiful. It says that she was lovely in form and beauty. Now, I, I know this may be hard to imagine. Y'all just kind of just... Imagine this scenario with me, and I, I know it's going to be very foreign to you, but imagine a time in history where the culture was so obsessed with external beauty that women's value was based on their looks. I know, you got to imagine a little bit, all right? That, that a woman's beauty was, or a woman's value was based on her, her as an object of sexuality. And, and, and that, that women, because that was the culture, that women would do whatever it took to stay young and beautiful. 
to be desirable. Imagine with me a time in history where, where older men with wealth and power would get the pretty girl to be eye candy on his shoulder. I know that's hard to imagine. <laughs> but that was the culture she lived in. And the culture we live in. It really is in so many ways. Uh, I shared this once before, but I got to share. I was thinking about it. It fits so well. Um, years ago, some of you are old enough. This will like date us. Some of us are old enough to remember G.I. Joe. Anybody remember G.I. Joe? Come on. Yeah, you remember G.I. Joe. Well, well um, G.I. Joe and Barbie at about the same time both came out, um, and they were talking G.I. Joes and talking Barbies, right? And that was like this revolutionary thing. Like, no way. Like, like the G.I. Joe, you know, you, uh, you, you, you touch his hand, and you would hear the little voice box in there that, that would say, eat lead, Cobra. Come on. That was, that was what it would say. You tell, I mean, this is a kid's toy. I love it. You know, and, and you grab his hand, and he'll go, eat lead, Cobra. Then you hit his hand again, and he would go, let's rescue the, the, uh, let's, let's rescue the hostages. Those two phrases were the only two phrases that G.I. Joe said. Eat lead, Cobra. Let's rescue the hostages. <laughs> well, at the same time, Barbie came out, and Barbie's voice box <laughs> would, would, would say this. I, I'm going to, so I don't mess it up. They would you'd touch her hand, and she would go, let's go shopping. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, and you would grab, you'd grab her hand again, and the only other thing she would say, I just think this is hilarious, but, but it was, she would say, let's plan our dream wedding. <laughs> well, there was a group, they called themselves the Barbie Liberation Organization, <laughs> and they went around and they bought up all the G.I. Joes and Barbies that talked that they could. Bought up hundreds of them. And they would take them back and they would swap the voice boxes. <laughs> and then they would start one at a time returning them to stores. And it was reported that, like, like these little boys getting a G.I. Joe, so excited, grab the hand of the G.I. Joe, and G.I. Joe goes, let's go shopping. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> and they're like, what? And so they grab his hand again, and he goes, let's plan our dream wedding. And they're like, what in the world? And the same thing happened with girls. Now, this is true. You look it up. It's hilarious. Uh, and, and so the same thing happened with the, the Barbies. The girls would, would grab Barbie's hand so excited, this pink flowing dress. And from this pink flowing dress, 
they would hear, eat lead, cobra. <laughs> Let's go rescue the hostages. <laughs> That's kind of funny, I think, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Here's, here's the thing. I thank God that the book of Esther is in the word of God. Especially as a dad with three daughters, I love the story of Esther. Because it proves that women's value is not based on external beauty. It's not. Her beauty opened the door, but it took something a lot more in her than just a pretty face. Come on. Matter of fact, I really believe you grab Esther's hand, she would say, eat lead, cobra. No, here's what she would say. Let's go rescue the hostages. Because that's what she did. That's what she did. She stepped out. I mean, this is a story of a lady who had purpose. She had beauty, but she had purpose. And that purpose was fueled with something that was inside her that came out when it needed to come out. That it, it wasn't just sit back, that her value was not just how she can serve an ungodly king, that her value was not just sit down, be quiet, be a pretty face, but her value was God can use you to save a nation. God has ordained you as a woman for such a time as this. It's your call. Are you going to miss it? Or are you going to grab it? What is, are you going to go rescue the hostages? Or are you just going to sit back and die being sweet and innocent? <laughs> What are you going to do? Is there not a cause? I want you to think about that and make it personal. What, what's the cause? What is it around you? What is it right here in Mena, Arkansas, that when, it's, when you see it, it bugs you? Like somebody really should do something. Can I just tell you, that could be the Lord going, go do something. Why don't the church do something about that? You hear me say it all the time. You are the church. Go do something about that. Right? It's, it's true. Maybe God's given you the gift of listening. Man, that is a lost talent. I'm terrible at listening. Anybody else? You start talking, 
and I start building my response before you get done. Anybody else? Yeah. God has called you for such a time as this. He's put you in a place where there is, he's given you a gift. He's put people around you that need you. There's opportunity. What if that's your purpose? What if that's part of why God has you right here, right now, for such a time as this? Maybe you're a musician. Maybe, maybe you're an artist. Maybe you have the gift of hospitality. Man, COVID screwed that up because we're afraid. Maybe God's calling you for such a time as this. And, and, and I know I've said it in another way, but I want you to write this down. Your location is key to your purpose. Your location is key. So often we wish we were somewhere else. Anybody? Like, I just wish I was somewhere else. I just wish I was in a different town. I wish I could be here. I wish I was married to somebody else. I wish, I wish, I wish. Can, can I just tell you, where you are right now, God has purpose for you. You are not here by accident. Come on. You're not. God has purpose for you right where you are. Location is important. It really is. God put me here right now. And then write, write this down. Um, your gift is a clue to your purpose. What, what is it that, and, and you're like, well, I'm not really gifted. What do you enjoy doing that maybe people go, you're pretty good at that. They recognize it. Is it building things? You know? Whatever it is. Is it music? Is it just talking? What is it? Is it cooking? What is it that people go, you know what? That was really good. Because your giftings, I, I don't know if you realize it, but God has I, I see this like all around the community even. The reason I celebrate all the other churches in the community is that we are all just one piece of the puzzle that God wants to use in Mena, Arkansas. None of us are a bigger piece of the puzzle or a smaller piece of the puzzle. We're all just a piece of the puzzle. Are y'all hearing me? And it's the same right here. The, the calling of God on the crossing, every one of us are a piece of that puzzle to make it happen. Are y'all hearing me? We all have giftings and callings and purpose right here, right now, for such a time as what? That's right. That's right. So what do we do? Write this down. We got to keep our eyes open for the opportunity. <laughs> We know where we are. We know those things that really make us tick, that we enjoy doing maybe. Because I don't know if you realize it, but God don't want you to be miserable doing what he's called you to do. He's actually wired you to do what he's called you to do. It may force you out of your comfort zone, 
But when you're doing it, you'll be like, yeah, this is good. I like it. I like it. We must keep our eyes open. Esther had to keep her eyes open. Hmm. And Esther said this, okay, opportunity, gifting, place, time, all is staring her in the face, and she says, okay, y'all, go fast and pray. All the Jews, you fast and pray for the next three days, because in three days, whether he invites me or not, I'm going to go see the king. And she literally says this. She says, and if I perish, I perish. If I die, I die trying. But I can't sit and do nothing. Hmm. So this lady, charged with purpose, she goes she walks into the king's presence. And everybody around was like, oh, what are you doing here? And she boldly, I believe, points at Haman and says, God told me your plan. I know what's going on. King, do you know that he has made a plan to kill all the Jews? And see, at that point, he didn't know she was a Jew. And she says this, those are my people. And he's trying to kill them. Matter of fact, he's already put up a pole that he has planned to stick that pole through my uncle's body and hang his body on it. He's trying to kill Mordecai. He's going to use him as an example. <laughs> and the king looks at Haman and says, is that true? He said, yes. The Jews are no good. They need to die. And the king says, not today. Matter of fact, if you read the story, the king had Haman impaled with that pole and hung up. And a nation was once again saved. She rescued the hostages. With purpose, giftings, opportunities, they were all staring her in the face. She didn't have to go look for them. They were there. She just had to open her eyes and see it. It was all right there. So, Lord, for us, that we would not miss our purpose, our callings, our giftedness. 
And there's so many in this room that are here in Mena, Arkansas, and some don't even know why. Like, why in the world did you bring me here, Lord? God, I pray that you would open our eyes. And that we would be moved by your heart. For right now. So here's a question. What is my purpose for such a time as this? What, what gifts has he given me? I really don't know, maybe. Where has he put me? For some of you, your purpose is to love, there's no greater purpose on the planet than to love your wife, your kids. It's the number one ministry, the scripture says. You get that calling right first. Love them. He's given you the ability by His Spirit to know how to love them. He's put you there. Start there. Start there. I'm going to give you just a moment to, to think about those, those things. And if you really don't know, ask Him. Say, take the blinders off my eyes. I want to see. your purpose for me. Maybe you hurt for single moms, for neglected babies. Maybe when you hear about students cutting themselves for relief, it breaks your heart. Those, those can be signs of where he wants you. you to think about this because part of what I love about the story of Esther is they never really talk about some amazing power of God you're like why is that cool well just hang with me nowhere in the book is there thunder and flashes of lightning and God writes it in the sky or on the wall or there's nowhere in that book where there's some supernatural display of God wiping out the enemy 
of fire coming down from the sky, of the waters parting, and the nation being rescued. This time, God, now some of you need to hear this, God rescues the nation by setting up in that culture what was one little ordinary thing after another ordinary thing and another ordinary thing and another ordinary everyday thing. It was in the ordinary, everyday, mundane things that God set her up for greatness. I love the scripture that says, don't, don't discount small beginnings. See, sometimes we think, well, I just go to work and do my thing. All I do is dishes. All I do is laundry. All I do is work for a paycheck. I'm telling you, it's in the ordinary, everyday, mundane that you will find godly purpose if you open your eyes. I promise. Don't just go with the flow. But let's leave some legacy. And I wonder if we could end with this prayer. God, I'm here. (laughs) I'm here right now, right here. Use me for your purposes. Would y'all pray that with me? I'm going to ask you to say it out loud. All right? Not just quietly, but I want you to pray it out loud. Say, God, I'm here. Use me for your purposes. Father, you hear our prayer. Now, keep our eyes open when we walk out. As we do the everyday mundane things that you would enlighten to us, this is godly purpose. This is your will. This is where you're working right now. And that we would celebrate a God that uses the little things to accomplish the big things. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Amen. Go ahead. You can give me my hand.